Would you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth, may the thoughts and meditations of all our hearts be pleasing to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen? Well, a little over a week ago was the White House Correspondence Dinner. It's an event that's held every year uh, to recognize the press corps and to support uh, aspiring journalists every year. And uh, for the eighth and final time in his presidency, uh, Mr. Obama took the stage and he addressed the nation at this event that's come to be known for its comedy. So Mr. Obama looked out over the crowd that had gathered and he said, you all look great. And then referencing uh, the current campaign season, he remarked, the end of the republic has never looked better. You see, Mr. Obama wasn't the only one uh, to be making jokes uh, a little over a week ago because this year's dinner also featured a man named Jason Rezaian. You see, he's a reporter for the Washington Post. And a little under two years ago, he was arrested by the Iranian government. Uh, he was accused of propaganda against the establishment and sent to jail to serve an undisclosed sentence. And it was last year's uh, correspondence dinner that uh, Rezaian's case made headlines again as the president expressed his commitment to bringing this reporter home. And then back in January, the State Department brokered such an arrangement. And so this year's correspondence dinner, uh, Jason was not only in attendance, but he was given the honor of making a number of announcements about this year's award winners. And so he took the stage and he made his own joke. He said, you know, this is a big, intimidating room. Then he said, it sure beats solitary confinement. Now, uh, he laughed along with uh, everyone in attendance, and you could tell that this man's life has been transformed by freedom. You know, that's the kind of story that we encounter tonight, the kind of story about lives that get transformed by freedom. And so today, uh, I'd like to invite you to join me as we travel to the city of Philippi, where we gather for Paul's second missionary journey. You know, we find ourselves face to face with the wife of this Philippian jailer. It's been a long day, and she's speaking with her husband. And while the book of Acts never records their interaction, i got to wonder if today's story starts with a conversation like this. You'll never believe what happened today. That's what you tell your husband. You see, you spent the day shopping for goods, and it's something that you often do, because even though you're a citizen of Philippi, you're hemmed in by this working-class life. Now, anywhere else in the empire, things would be different, but not here, not in Philippi, one of the Roman Empire's most affluent cities. And so even though you feel lucky, you also feel trapped, forced to race around the city each and every day and, and pinch every penny. But today brought something new. And so you tell your husband, I, I saw the strangest thing in town. And you know he's probably thinking about the kind of people that you'd run into, mostly soldiers, many who serve in the army, and even more who are now retired. But that's not exactly what you're talking about. Instead, you're talking about this slave girl who has the power to predict the future. You see, she's uh, possessed by this demon, and that makes her masters all sorts of money. And the thing about this spirit is, it never lies. Never. Not even once. 
And that's why this is the strangest thing, because she started following around these two Jews who've come to town. Their names are Paul and Silas, and they've only been here a couple of weeks. Now, no one's really been paying attention to them until she started following them. And so that's why you tell your husband, the girl who never lies says that Paul and Silas are slaves of the Most High God. And so as you finish eating your dinner, you think about your trapped and taxing life. I mean, you're constantly racing from here to there, constantly stressed out in this and every moment. And then you think about the girl who never lies, the girl who calls Paul and Silas slaves. And you know, it's almost like she's describing your current situation. And then you consider Paul and Silas, and you simply want what they have, the confidence to do what's important. And so they may be slaves, you think, but in them, all you can see is freedom. And now a word about Paul and Silas eventually begins to get around. And I'm guessing that that slave girl probably has a lot to do with it, especially when you consider what happens next in today's story. You see, a few days later, Paul and Silas are traveling through the city once again, and that little girl's following behind them. And for some unknown reason, Paul turns around and casts that spirit out of her. And what means freedom for this little girl? It means prison for them. And so the two of them head to jail where they meet this woman's husband. And if you're him, I'd imagine that it's probably just another day on the job, another couple of people that you got to lock up in prison. And the first thing that you notice is that while they're charged with disturbing the peace, no one's really concerned about that little girl. Instead, their crime is spreading foreign customs. I mean, they mentioned the name of Jesus, and that's why they were sent here. And when they arrive, they're beaten and broken, and it's your job to lock them up. So you take them through the jail, which is really a cave, and and their place is deep inside. You fasten their feet, and then you look up at them, and one thought crosses your mind. What on earth could be so compelling that these two men would gladly give up their freedom? But you know, as the hours pass, nothing seems to faze them. I mean, they're locked away in this dark cell, yet they're praying and singing. And for some strange reason, all the other prisoners begin to pay attention. Now, it's late at night. And so eventually, you fall asleep until something jolts you awake. And it's sort of like a phone ringing in the middle of the night. I mean, long before you know what's going on, you know that something's wrong. And in this case... It's an earthquake, and it makes you shudder. I mean, the prison's shaken, the doors are open, and everyone's chains are unfastened. It takes you just a few moments for reality to set in. But when it does, your world comes crashing down around you. I mean, there's no undoing what this earthquake's done. There's no putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. But here's the worst part about what's just happened. When the prison's open and the inmates escape, their freedom must be your mistake. And so even though it's not your fault that this earthquake's come, it's still your failure to repay. And so you take out your sword, and you're just about to take your life. And then you think about Paul and Silas, and you wonder who's really free. 
I mean, they were bound in the darkest cell, yet somehow they could sing and pray from prison. But here you are, and events beyond your control have sealed your fate. And so, just like your wife, you think, you know, they may be prisoners, but all you're able to see is freedom. Now, it's at this moment in the story that we all know what happens. A voice cries out and it says, put your swords away. From the deepest part of this cave, someone says, we're all here, and it sounds a lot like Paul and Silas. And so this Philippian jailer, he grabs a torch and he heads inside and he discovers that they're all there, all of them. And so he falls down before Paul and Silas and he asks this important question, what must I do to be saved? You see, it's not just because this Philippian jailer wants to go to heaven. It's because he yearns, he longs for freedom. And you know, Paul's answer is surprisingly simple. His answer is Jesus. And so the Philippian jailer heads on home. He takes Paul and Silas with them. He cleans their wounds, and he tends to them. And on that very night, his whole house discovers Jesus' freedom. You know, as I uh, read and retell and then reflect on this story, it strikes me that Jesus' freedom is pretty strange. I mean, just consider Paul and Silas. I mean, the two of them are flogged and beaten. They're constantly harassed, yet somehow these two men are able to go to prison and sing songs to God. And then when the doors are open because an earthquake comes, They're able to stay behind, even though their chains are broken. And so, you know, it's little wonder to me that uh, people in Philippi begin to take notice, because even though Paul and Silas are hemmed in by their situation, somehow, in the midst of it all, Jesus sets them free. And the incredible thing is that Jesus doesn't take any of their troubles away. Instead, Jesus gives them something more. He gives them this confidence that no jail... No prison, no empire can ever stop what God is doing in this world. And so even though it may cost their life, they're able to sing to God. You know, that's the same kind of freedom that Jesus gives to each and every one of us. I mean, Jesus doesn't promise that he's going to take our troubles away, but he does promise to us that nothing, Nothing in this world will ever stop what he is doing. And so you know what? No job, no family situation, no lone gunman at Montgomery Mall can ever stop what God is up to in this world. And it's because of that that Jesus gives us confidence to face whatever comes our way. He gives us freedom in each and every situation. Well, there's an incredible scene at the end of the movie Braveheart. And I think it gives us kind of a picture of this kind of freedom. You see, the movie's set in the year 1300. Scotland's vying for independence. And they're constantly at war with the nation of England. You see, while the Scots army is always running away, it's because they have so much to be afraid of. But then, uh, some of you may know that about halfway through the movie, William Wallace makes this appearance on the scene. He tells the Scots army, you know what? You can run, and you will live. But then he reminds them about the power of their freedom. 
And one of the best speeches I think I've ever seen, he tells this army, they may take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. That's the kind of message that we encounter in today's story from the book of Acts. The message that just like Paul and Silas, we have freedom. And Jesus' freedom enables us to sing and pray. It enables us to live our lives and to face whatever comes our way. And so it's my prayer that today, Jesus would remind you of this freedom that you have. That no matter what happens in this world, he might give you the confidence to face whatever comes your way. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.